So many different forces need to come together to enact big policy change. It's often the result of a whole host of people working on a particular concerted effort that can make the difference. Hello and welcome to the USERF Spotlight podcast, a weekly podcast series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we take a deep dive into religious freedom conditions around the world, breaking the situation down for you. Each week, we focus on a different country, region, or topic. Not only do we analyze and explain the religious freedom situation to our listeners, but we also make policy recommendations to the United States government in order to address the immense challenges we bring to light here. Now here is the host of our show, USERF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, to lead today's discussion. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. Today we'll be discussing some recent actions the U.S. government has taken to further incorporate religious freedom into its foreign policy objectives, including by implementing some of the recommendations USERF has made over the past several years. The International Religious Freedom Act of 1998, also known as IRFA, mandates that USERF make independent policy recommendations to the President of the United States, the Secretary of State, and the U.S. Congress. Our recommendations are based on our assessment of religious freedom conditions abroad, and of U.S. IRF policy. The most obvious and recurring recommendations that we make each year is for the State Department to designate certain countries as countries of particular concern, also known as CPCs, for violations that are defined by IRFA as systematic, ongoing, and egregious. These countries commit the worst crimes against religious communities. In our 2022 annual report, covering January to December of 2021, we recommended 15 countries for CPC status, 10 of which the State Department took and designated as CPCs in 2021. We also recommended the State Department place certain countries on its special watch list, also known as SWL, uh, for severe violations of religious freedom, which USERF has understood as meeting two of the three criteria of the systematic, ongoing, and egregious test. We recommended the State Department place 13 countries on its special watch list this past year. And in 2021, the State Department included only three of those. So you see there's definitely a, a difference in the in those that we recommend versus the, uh, the State Department actually designates. Though these CPC and SWL recommendations often gain the most visibility, the majority of our recommendations are actions the U.S. government can take throughout the year in a variety of different ways to strengthen religious freedom in multiple contexts around the globe. We're joined today by USERF Supervisory Policy Advisor, Jamie Staley, who helps develop and coordinate USERF's policy recommendations and who supervises a team reporting on Eurasia and East Asia. Jamie, welcome to USERF Spotlight. Hey, Dwight. Thanks so much for having me. Well, before we jump in and hear uh, from you about our specific recommendations the U.S. government has already implemented, can you talk a little bit about how USERF works with the U.S. government and others uh, in this contest to make these uh, recommendations? Sure. Thanks, Dwight. Yeah, so USERF's analysts are regional experts who closely monitor religious freedom conditions in multiple countries all around the world often, you know, reading reports of religious freedom violations in the language of the country from original sources as these violations are taking place. Uh, They also meet with members of civil society, NGOs, journalists to ensure the information they're getting is fully accurate and up to date. In addition to that, they're also regularly meeting with U.S. government officials in the State Department and Congress to share information 
help come up with ways that the U.S. government can help make things better for victims of religious persecution in these countries. And so this is where our policy recommendations come in. As they gather all this information, they meet as they meet with other U.S. government officials, they develop recommendations to give to the U.S. government that, if enacted, would strengthen the U.S. policy response to, to these kinds of human rights violations taking place. So as you mentioned, Dwight, USERF is mandated by Congress to provide these recommendations. And as we've seen over the years, the U.S. government's often looking for ways to better respond to religious freedom abuses abroad. And so we're glad to receive our recommendations and take them into consideration as they develop and strengthen U.S. international religious freedom policy. So with that in mind, you know, it's always our goal to make these recommendations concrete, actionable, so that it's really clear what steps need to be taken to implement them. And then it also just makes it easier for us to measure and track their implementation, which we are also mandated to do by Congress. So USERF's nonpartisan analysts usually develop the recommendations based on their reading of the situation in different countries and on conversations they're having with the State Department and Congress. And then USERF's bipartisan commissioners discuss and vote on which recommendations to include in our official reports. One other just quick note, we often try to develop recommendations that actually seem possible for the U.S. government to implement and to offer a, a real way forward for creating change. It's always so great to find that low-hanging fruit where the U.S. government can take action that really makes a difference without exuding that much effort. So that, that's one of our goals. Uh, but then on the other hand, there are some recommendations that we know the U.S. government is just not going to take action on anytime soon for a variety of different reasons or geopolitical reasons. But these recommendations are also so important that we have to recommend them, regardless of the possibility of their implementation in the near future. So, you know, one example of this is recommending India as a country of particular concern or, uh, you know, that the national security waiver given to Saudi Arabia each year in the interests of national security would be lifted so that there are real consequences for the violations taking place in that country. We know these recommendations will not be taken by the U.S. government anytime soon, but it's still so important for us uh, to make them and to remember that religious freedom is a long game. We might make the same recommendations for 10 years and not see any possibility for change. But then because of shifting conditions in a country, because of the hard work of advocates or other changes in politics, something becomes possible that we'd always hope to eventually see. Well, that's very informative, and I hope our uh, audience appreciates getting a good sense of how uh, recommendations emerge out of USERF in terms of our internal process there. You know, some of us uh, have been at USERF a long time, in my case, 20 years, but we have some others who've been around for many years as well. You know, I can say every time uh, that we see uh, a recommendation uh, moving forward or being implemented, it's very gratifying. Uh, when when something we've been recommending for several years actually gets implemented uh, eventually. One thing that stands out uh, to me was a couple of years ago when Sudan, uh, historically one of the worst violators of religious freedom, uh, changed its government, instituted reforms, and, and the CPC's designation was removed altogether. No one would have thought that was even possible just a few years ago uh, with the Bashir regime in power for, for almost 30 years. So that was really a gratifying thing to see, uh, you know, 
uh, things uh, on the ground changing, a apostasy law pulled, and, and then, of course, no longer that CPC recommendation. Uh, can you share with our audience, then, what some of USERF's longstanding recommendations are that the U.S. government has recently implemented? And why do you think um, they're being implemented now after all this time? Yeah, sure. And yeah, the Sudan example is really a great one to remember, um, seeing that that change come about that you weren't expecting. Um, you know, really, so many different forces need to come together to enact big policy change. It's often the result of a whole host of people working on a particular concerted effort that can make the difference. It's advocates, NGOs, people documenting conditions, victims sharing their stories, raising it in international organizations like the UN. And even at times it needs to have large multinational businesses on board to make it successful. So really just so many moving pieces. In addition to that, there needs to be clear action to actually take and then political will in the US government to take that action and commit the necessary resources to it. You know, one example, a couple of years ago, the Trump administration issued executive order 13926 on advancing uh, religious freedom, which included several of USERF's longstanding recommendations, such as increasing related foreign assistance, developing an overall strategy for promoting religious freedom abroad and country action plans. We were uh, really glad to see last year that the Biden administration continued to implement that order by continuing to pursue country-specific action plans, by dedicating $50 million to Earth-related programming, and by continuing to provide training on Earth issues to foreign service officers. The administration also continued to advance Earth at the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, through activities to address the needs of vulnerable religious communities in various parts of the world, as well as through organizational initiatives such as the Earth Sector Council to foster agency-wide coordination and cooperation. So really seeing this continuity across administrations on specific actions and recommendations is really key to having uh, something sustainable taking place. So, for, I mean, just a few other examples there. I mean, for several years, we've been calling on the administration to, to determine whether the crimes committed by the Burmese military against the Rohingya and Burma are genocide. And just a few months ago, March, Secretary Blinken announced the United States had determined that these atrocities constitute genocide and crimes against humanity. So it was really great to, to see that take place after, uh, you know, so many different groups pushing for the, this designation since 2017, really. Similarly, USERF has been calling on the State Department to designate Russia as a country of particular concern since 2017 and really to take into consideration the atrocities that Russia's committed it uh, in Crimea when considering that CPC designation. And this past November, the State Department made that designation for the very first time. One other thing we've been calling for for the last four years was to uh, increase the refugee, the U.S. refugee resettlement ceiling back to its previous levels, um, somewhere around 95,000. That's something, you know, we'd kept seeing that number go down throughout the uh, the Trump administration years and something we were happy to see the Biden administration implement over this past year, raising that to previous levels. And, you know, we continue to call on the administration to um, prioritize those groups who are most vulnerable for resettlement in the U.S., those religious minority groups who are most vulnerable, like Uyghurs and Rohingya and members of many different religious minority communities and countries all around the world, uh, that those could be fast-tracked and resettled in the U.S. in ways that would really be meaningful 
um, and offering them a way out for those who have no other way out, who are persecuted because of their faith. Yeah, very important point, especially as we've highlighted many times on uh, USERF Spotlight. And unfortunately, just over the past eight years alone, we've seen uh, three genocides uh, determined of Yazidis and Christians by ISIS in Iraq. And as you mentioned, the Rohingya in Burma, but also Uyghurs in China. And so that's such an important uh, vehicle. And, and we've been very consistent for many years on the refugee ceiling. So, so important uh, to see that uh, turning too. And certainly one thing we've learned over the years is how our executive and legislative branches of government need to work together and reinforce each other in, in order to uh, create long-term change for international religious freedom uh, policy. So let me ask you, uh, Jamie, from your experience this far, how has the relationship between Congress on the one hand and the administration on the other worked or not worked on Earth-specific uh, issues? And what, what are some examples of USERF recommendations that Congress has helped to implement over the past year or so, as opposed to uh, being implemented by the uh, executive side of things? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'm very grateful to work in Washington, D.C. on issues that are generally considered very bipartisan by both Republicans and Democrats. I think staff and officials in both parties are always really glad to get a break from the more contentious issues they're dealing with and to come over and work with us on international religious freedom issues where, you know, there's broad agreement on the problems facing religious communities abroad and on what some of the solutions can be. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a global blasphemy resolution in Congress that was meant to highlight the danger of blasphemy laws in many different countries around the world. It was inspiring to see all the different members of Congress who worked together to see that resolution pass, you know, in the midst of tons of other legislation that was going nowhere or that was just uh, so contentious back and forth. The global blasphemy resolution in the House was led by Representative Jamie Raskin, progressive Democrat and by Representative Mark Meadows, a uh, conservative Republican. So it was really cool to see Southern Baptists, atheists, Muslims, Jews, everyone working together on, on that particular resolution to uh, raise this issue and to highlight it. So the relationship between Congress and the administration can obviously be more fraught when they're each led by different political parties. And we have at times seen certain religious freedom policies or political nominations get caught up in that for a time and slow down. But in the end, religious freedom is a bipartisan commitment, and no one wants to be seen as undermining that. So when you when you sort of makes recommendations directly to Congress, we really try to make them as practical and as useful as possible. With the new Biden administration, uh, some of our key recommendations this last year were that the Senate would swiftly confirm the administration's nominations to key earth positions that are really vital for keeping the momentum behind international religious freedom in US foreign policy. We're so glad to see that take place as Senate confirmed Rashad Hussein as the ambassador at large for earth and Deborah Lipstadt as special envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism. You know, both parties came together to uh, quickly get those nominees confirmed and in their positions after being held up for only a short while. So. You know, just thinking over other successes of our recommendations over the past year, another huge success was the passage of the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. This was a massive piece of legislation meant to hold the Chinese government accountable for using slave labor of the Uyghur people in concentration camps by keeping the goods created by that labor out of U.S. markets. So it took a couple of years to pass as many different groups, companies, 
lobbyists wrangled over the language and the regulation uh, involved in it. But in the end, it was signed into law by President Biden at the end of last year. Um, one other big thing that USURF has been calling for, you know, we've consistently called on the U.S. government to increase the use of human rights related financial and visa authorities to impose asset freezes and visa bans on individuals and entities for severe religious freedom violations and to cite those specific abuses um, when documenting them. So. Congress had a huge role to play in making this happen. Earlier this year, Congress permanently reauthorized the Global Magnitsky Human Rights Accountability Act, which continues to enable the administration to utilize these tools. So just to give a few examples over the course of 2021, the US government issued eight Global Magnitsky sanctions against individuals and entities specifically for religious freedom abuses. These included sanctions against Iraq's Popular Mobilization Forces chairman, Chinese officials for their involvement in atrocities committed against Uyghurs and other Turkic Muslims in Xinjiang, Turkish-backed militias committing religious freedom violations in Syria, individuals in Cuba uh, who were involved in the beating of Catholic priests, and Iranian intelligence operatives uh, who were doing all sorts, committing all sorts of different violations uh, of religious freedom. And just to mention a couple other things, you know, there's other legislation pending in Congress that might not uh, pass in the foreseeable future, but it, it has a lot of USERF's recommendations in it. And it's so important for continuing to raise these things. You know, the Vietnam Human Rights Act, uh, Religious Freedom Act, Human Rights Act gets put out there every year and it has many of USERF's recommendations in there raising the religious freedom aspects of uh, of what are what's happening in Vietnam and how it should be designated again as a country of particular concern. Um, Ukraine Religious Freedom Support Act called on the State Department to recognize that many of the religious freedom violations that Russia's committed in occupied Ukraine um, should be taken into account when they make the CPC designation for Russia, which uh, they did this past year. And then legislation on Saudi Arabia calling um, for them to reform some of the curriculum that are in Saudi textbooks in different countries around the world. You know, these are things that USERF has been calling for for a long time. The Congress continues to raise, and it's so important uh, to have that raised in the U.S. government from multiple different angles. Yeah, thanks for uh, highlighting on so many of these uh, different areas and really also explains why, uh, you know, USERF is, is really more of a legislative entity funded by Congress, even though we have the appointees from uh, by the president, the three appointees, and we're advising both the executive and legislative branches. But you know, a lot of our work is trying to be a resource for Congress and and to help move some of these things forward. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, you really get a good sense there, Jamie, in, in laying out so many of these different diverse uh, pieces of legislation, resolutions, and initiatives that that we've been supporting and it's great to see these things actually move in some cases into law and be and and be uh, implemented from there on. Um, you know, as we close out here today, uh, are there any other key actions uh, the US government took this past year that you want to highlight and and maybe what what are we hoping for in the coming year as we look forward uh, what what are some of you service recommendations that you think could be implemented here in the near future that have been, you know, on, on our books and putting forward or, or some, as we project forward, uh, obviously laying out some of the things implemented, but how about you know, looking ahead? Yeah, thanks, Dwight. I mean, just one other quick thing I'll, 
I'll mention that uh, you have been calling for the past couple of years was a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing 2022 Winter Olympics. And this is something we were so glad to see the Biden administration do at the end of last year. The U.S. government should not be sending officials to Olympic Games held in a country that has an ongoing genocide. And, you know, this was was one thing Yusuf been calling for that we were very happy to see uh, the U.S. government implement. Looking ahead, as you mentioned, uh, one recommendation that we would love to see implemented in the near future that has been implemented in the past is listing uh, Nigeria as a country of particular concern. This was something that the Trump administration had done two years ago, and then that the Biden administration did not redesignate Nigeria as a CPC. And, you know, we see conditions in that country continue to get worse, and we really believe that there is a religious freedom uh, aspect to that. We recently returned from a delegation to, to Nigeria, and I think there's a lot of evidence for that that we're continuing to present to uh, the State Department. So that's one we would love to see. I mean, we're always asking for uh, waivers to be lifted on CPC countries. So when the State Department designates a country of particular concern, they're also allowed to uh, put forth a waiver in the interest of national security that keeps different consequences, such as sanctions, from going into effect against that country. Currently, there's four CPC countries that have waivers. Um, we would love to see those lifted, at, at least on a couple of those countries over the next year, if that could be a possibility, uh, really makes the CPC designation have so much more teeth when there's real consequences to these really awful, severe violations that are taking place in these countries. And then just one other that we've been really talking about over the last year is to ex expand the existing priority two or P2 designation, granting uh, US refugee admissions program access for certain religious minorities. We've especially been pushing this for Afghan nationals and their family members, um, including Afghan religious minorities at extreme risk of religious persecution. And this is really something that could be expanded to uh, other countries beyond only Afghan religious minorities as well, to uh, the Rohingya in Burma, to Uyghurs in Xinjiang. You know, there's certain uh, religious minorities around the world who are fleeing such a high level of religious persecution that we should really expand that P2 access so that some of these groups don't have to go through UNHCR avenues, but would have a way of, of resettling in the U.S. The U.S. could, could do our fair share in, in helping some of these religious minorities um, where it's really needed. So those are just a few ideas of where, where we're going forward. I know our analysts are always monitoring and analyzing uh, different situations in countries all around the world and always coming up with new things, trying to think creatively on ways to make a difference. So I'm excited to hopefully report on more that we'll have to talk about soon. Great, uh, thank you so much, and uh, Jamie. We'll have to leave it right there. Let me uh, thank Jamie Staley for uh, being with us today to discuss uh, some of USERF's policy recommendations that the US has implemented in, in recent years and, and some of those that we'd like to see uh, move forward in the, in the coming year. You can see the full list of USERF's recommendations uh, by checking out our uh, 2022 annual report just released in late April on our website. As always, thanks for tuning in today, and we will see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, 
visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at U-S-C-I-R-F. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another Usurf Spotlight.